Well, after an interesting race weekend at Indy, we have plenty to go over as we will start with the Truck Series, starting their playoffs, and Grant Enfinger coming through with a big victory to lock himself in the next round at IRP. We will also go over A.J. Allmendinger dominating yet another road course race, and of course, Tyler Reddick getting his second career victory and surviving all the chaos that was turn one. We'll also discuss the future of Indianapolis Motor Speedway and whether it will be better served as an oval or a road course on this episode of Three Wide. So kicking off the race weekend in Indianapolis, we had the Truck Series returning to IRP for the first time since 2011. And this was also the first race of the playoffs for the Truck Series. And going in last week, I'd said Matt Crafton would have been my pick to either get the win or either have a, a solid day to get himself above that cut line due to him being the only driver in the playoff field to race at this track since the last time they were there. Uh, and then I had his teammate, Grant Enfinger. I expected him to have a solid race in a couple of weeks at Richmond, but they kind of flipped the script on me Saturday as Grant Enfinger was actually the one that had a solid day, had the best race he's had all season. And he would go on to win the race to lock himself in the next round. He was below the cut line. So that is really a, a pretty big upset for this playoff standings already from race one. You got to give the shout out to his crew chief who made a great call to pit for four tires during a caution with five laps to go. Tires were very key to this race. And you could see it, you know, made a huge difference among the field. The top one, the top 10, when the checkered flag fell, you had Grant first place, Ben Rhodes would finish in second, followed by, by Zane Smith in third and Stuart Friesen in fourth. Corey Heim, he was in fifth, followed by Tyler Ankrum in sixth. Lane Riggs, making his first career start, finished in seventh, followed by Ty Majeski in eighth, Matt Crafton in ninth, and John Hunter Nemechek rounded out the top ten. And this race really showed how badly this you know series needed to go back to IRP. It was a very exciting race, good short track racing, lots of comers and goers. Tire fall-off was a, a key factor in this race, and I feel like... That, the Xfinity series should be taking a look at returning to IRP next year. Whenever that schedule comes out, if their race can be anything like the truck series, there was a, a couple of pretty big moments there at the end between with some playoff drivers and some non-playoff drivers. First and foremost was Carson Hosovar. He turned Colby Howard head on into the turn wall one wall after Colby Howard had made contact with him coming out of turn four. Both drivers were in the top 10 racing for, I believe it was seventh or eighth position. And as they were coming out of four, it looked like Colby's tires, you know, were pretty worn out. He was slipping and sliding. It was late in the run. And he did make some slight contact with the rear of Carson's truck, whether it was anything intentional to get him loose coming out of the corner to set up a run into the net, into turn one, or Colby just didn't have full control of his car with the tires. I'm not sure. Either way, it was nothing crazy, nothing egregious that would I, I really don't feel like there's anything that would lead to somebody getting turned head on in the wall as payback. That's, that's a big no, no in my book and a lot of people in the sports book that nothing should ever really lead to that. And really this could come back to haunt Carson. Colby got out of the car, obviously was not happy, showed his frustration and Colby's not in the playoffs. He's had a decent year. He's shown some speed at some tracks. He's had a, a pretty, Average season, couple top 10s and some good solid top 15, top 20 finishes. Chances are they're going to be racing around each other 
before the end of this season, you know, especially at a short track like Richmond coming up, who knows? So that will probably be in the back of Colby's mind if he sees him again, whether he dumps him or at least makes life a little difficult for Carson. I I couldn't blame him, you know, just because that, that was not good awareness by Carson to spin someone head on into the wall, especially when you're racing for a championship. You can't be making decisions like that. That was pretty pretty bad move on Carson's part and what's been a stellar year for him. You hate to see his chances for his first career win and a championship go away just because he made a, a not-so-smart move sending someone head on into the wall. And the next incident that happened between a playoff driver and non-playoff driver was John Hunter Nemechek and Taylor Gray. And this was, you know, right there at one of these last restarts after the Carson wreck. They're both starting on the front row, Taylor's on the inside, John Hunter's on the outside, and Taylor has a great restart. Gets ahead of John Hunter, looking like he's going to get his first career truck win. Taylor had fresher tires, like I said, that great restart. And going into turn three, John Hunter just goes in and and spins him out. It looked to me, going back and watching the replay, that John Hunter, he dove into the inside with way too much speed. Like I said, his tires were worn out. There was no way he was going to make that corner. And I don't know if he pretty much knew that going in and decided, hey, I'm just going to make contact with him and whatever happens, happens. I'm not sure, but he, there, there was no way he was going to make that move. So that winds up spinning Taylor out, takes him out of the running for the, the win. John Hunter, he was scored the leader, even though really he shouldn't have been. Zane Smith clearly had the lead when the caution lights came on. But I digress. That that like, like Carson's incident just a few laps earlier, this is not smart racing by John Hunter racing a non-playoff driver like that. Um, in the post-race comments, he took the blame for the deal with the 17 truck and then proceeds to call out Zane Smith for running him into the fence on the overtime restart. So when they get through that incident, John Hunter, Zane Smith, are on the front row and Zane drives it in and put, you know, drives it up the wall, just like John Hunter did. And John Hunter got the worst of it. And I, you know, I really kind of rolled my eyes at John Hunter's comments just because, you know, it looked just like the incident that happened with John Hunter and Taylor and Zane drove into the corner hard truck wouldn't stick. And both of them went in the wall, John Hunter more so than Zane. So if you're going to sit there and say what you did was an accident, you just overdrove it. You didn't mean to do it. You, you know, you can't look at Zane Smith and be like, well, maybe he didn't mean to do it either. It's just racing for the, racing at the end for the win. But John Hunter took it to heart. And uh, another thing I looked at was I think Zane, and he even said in his interview, he saw how John Hunter raced the 17 and pretty much said game on. He, he said in his interview, if he had passed the four truck clean, said John Hunter would have wrecked me too. And I can totally see that that line of thinking you know you see a guy take out one for the lead you think if i get the lead from him he's going to do the same to me so zane trying to take away that option from john hunter but for these guys to be racing these non-playoff drivers like this is not smart in race one because that 17 truck has had speed whether it's ryan priest or taylor gray in that truck so i don't know what the schedule looks like for the rest of the season for that team but either way, you got to think that DGR team is going to be having a chip on their shoulder and be looking for that four truck any way they can, you know, possibly hinder his playoff run. They're going to 
make the most of it. And John Hunter's definitely a driver trying to get back in the cup series that cannot afford to be caught up in some mess like this. He's, he's got to focus on getting wins, getting himself a championship to prove that he belongs at the top series in a top ride. So uh, we'll see what we're looking like here when the checker flag falls at Richmond. I'm not sure what to expect from that race. Cause while it's a short track, it does have carry a lot more speed than most. So who knows what we'll be looking like when the checker flag falls on that race at Richmond. So Saturday we went to the road course layout of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. This is their, I believe, third year doing it on this this layout. And AJ Allmendinger, who is across all three series, probably the best road course racer, dominates yet another one. He led 42 out of 62 laps, gets another win. He's really been picking up on speed here the past few weeks. So maybe that 16 colleague team is is really starting to heat up right here for the playoff start, and they can make a good run at the championship again. But behind AJ in the top 10, you had Alex Bowman finishing second and Justin Allgaier third, Ross Chastain fourth and Chase Briscoe fifth, Riley Hertz finished in sixth, followed by Sam Mayer in seventh, Ty Gibbs in eighth, Austin Hill in ninth, and Noah Gregson rounded out the top 10. And this was pretty, you know, there, there were, of course, your normal road course race incidents where you had, you know, guys getting spun out by one another going into these sharp corners. But overall, it was a pretty, I want to call it, I wouldn't call it a boring race, but definitely from what we had Friday night, it, it, it definitely lacked a little bit. Let me say that. It, one caution for an on-track incident, the rest other than that was, you know, the stage breaks. And to me, this race showed why the series needs to go back to RP. The Xfinity Series normally week in and week out put on the best racing across the board. And I feel like if you take them to that short track where they have, you know, haven't been in a while, just like the trucks, they can put on an even better show and it would get people really hopped up and excited for the cup series, no matter whether it's on the oval layout or the road course layout over at the big track, you know, to me, they, they could really shine if they take this race back to IRP. And even though we didn't have a whole lot on the track to discuss other than AJ Allmendinger dominating, there was some news off the track that that really interests me one of the main ones was brett moffett and his relationship with our motorsports there was a story from lee spencer at catchfence.com post race that brett saying this was his last race with the team and he had been with them since their debut back in 2020 and had some good runs in the part-time races with them and you know the future seemed pretty bright this combination of brett moffett and this new team they, they seem to have a pretty high ceiling but I don't know if the team has stretched itself thin going from part-time to full-time with three cars, but the results definitely have been up and down for all three teams this season. Brett, he is the driver. He does not have significant sponsorship. That is pretty much what got him out of this ride, and he's not sure when his next race will be. And right now, as it sits, he has 16th in points with four top 10s, and... Well, I mean, he wasn't really a, a playoff threat. He definitely wasn't a guy to look over to pull off a possible upset. But either way, he is out of the car. I read Blaine Perkins will be taking over that ride starting next week. And, you know, it's going to be tough for Brett to get a, a solid ride, at least this late in the season. Most teams have already set, you know, their lineups for the rest of the year and working on deals for next year. You know, there are options, especially if he stays with Chevy. You know, there's Big Machine Racing, which has been, you know, having multiple drivers this year. Could that be a landing spot for him? Possibly. And I think that would be another intriguing 
combo with because Brett's a talented driver and you know former truck series champion he he could really you know have some good runs i think in that 48 car but that remains to be seen whether it happens for him or not it'll be a story to watch over the next couple over the rest of the season really not the next couple weeks and then his teammate jeb burton who you know because the rumors started over on Door bumper, door bumper clear, excuse me, that, you know, there was going to be an Xfinity team, a three-car team that was going to have to shut down one of their cars or go to part-time or, you know, have multiple drivers in it due to sponsorship problems. And a lot of people were pointing out that it may be Jeb Burton's car, especially with all the, the troubles he's had in recent weeks. And that slump just continued for him. While his ride at the moment is safe, at least through the end of the year, he does not even complete a lap in Saturday's race. He had a broken track bar, and this just continues a big slump that he's got going right now. Jeb, you know, I've said many times over this season, good driver, just never has been able to get solid footing anywhere. And sponsorship is, you know, like Brett Moffat, been a big problem for him, being able to latch on, somebody to latch on for a full season for him besides his one year with colleague. So, it's, you know, going to be interesting to see what his future holds as well, you know, where he might wind up next year. I'm sure our motorsports is going to be com- sitting down and completely going over what they may do different next year. This team may look completely different by the time it rolls around to Daytona in February. So luckily for Jeb, you know, Rich, we got Richmond coming up. We still got Daytona. He's good at these super speedway tracks. Maybe he can get at least some momentum going for him before the end of the year. But either way, our motorsports, they're definitely sputtering at this moment, at this point in the season, with, with quite a bit of ways to go. So with Sunday's Cup race, uh, again, on the road course layout of Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this was their second time running the track. And it was a rather calm beginning to the race. You did have your normal, you know, spin outs with drivers going into turn one, which was really, you know, the sore spot for pretty much the whole field. The whole day especially as it got towards the end when everything kind of turned chaotic with a couple late restarts before we get into that though you did have tyler reddick get his second career win and the rest of the top 10 behind him had some surprise finishers in it you had austin cinder in second that was no surprise there he's had an amazing career on road courses but you did have harrison burton scoring a third place finish followed by todd gilliland in fourth bubba wallace was fifth followed by joey logano in sixth A.J. Allmendinger in 7th, and Michael McDowell in 8th, Cole Custer in ninth, and Chris Buescher rounded out the top 10. So jumping into pretty much the tail end of the race with the, the chaotic turn one, there was a restart with three to go after Christopher Bell had lost a right front tire going down the front straightaway. There was some debris spread out on the front straightaway because of it, and that led to a late restart. And going into turn one, you had Joey Logano take it five wide going into the corner and everybody's already pinned in enough as, as it is, you start going three, four, you know, wide It's really tough. When you add a fifth car in it, nobody's really going to get through that unscathed. And this would end up costing Kyle Busch and Chase Briscoe. They would get spun due to Joey Logano kind of pinning everyone together. And further up front going into the corner, you had Ryan Blaney spin out Chase Elliott, who was running second at the time after, Chase's teammate, William Byron, took it three wide going into the corner. Um, And that was really the whole crux of that corner is you would have drivers getting spun out that, you know, didn't really see it coming. They're just kind of minding their own business, focusing on their line, trying to get through the corner. And next thing you know, they're in the grass. 
So you then had Austin Dillon, Martin Truex Jr., and Eric Jones into the next corner spinning out. Eric went a little bit off track, lost control of his car. This led to Austin getting stuck in the gravel trap. So automatic caution right there, and that would set up an overtime restart with now Reddick on the front row with A.J. Allmendinger. And on this restart, you would have, as everyone was kind of going into the corner, spreading out, Ross Chastain and Austin Dillon would take the access road. They would miss turn one completely, go through the access road to come out just past the, the corner, and we'll get more on that later. But on this restart, you had Ryan Blaney get spun after contact from Daniel Suarez. This forced Blaney into A.J. Allmendinger, and that's where he lost control. And, you know, this was nothing really on Suarez. He was getting, you know, some pressure from behind by Austin Sendrick. So that's I'm not a big fan of that, just mainly these this road course. I'd rather it be on the oval layout simply because this turn one just provides too much of a problem. You have drivers just wanting to send it in like they're in a, a video game with zero damage and just hoping for the best. And it, there's no sport to it, in my opinion. You, there's no more attrition in this race. You know, it all comes down to a late restart, which is just about going to happen every year. And it's just hoping you can get through that first corner unscathed. And to me, like that, 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 there's no sport in that. That's not racing. That's just sur- trying to survive a demolition derby. So jumping ahead back or well, going back over the Ross Chastain and Austin going through the access corner missing turn one, Ross Chastain would get penalized for taking that access road, mainly because of, of how he came out. I, I don't know what the exact rule is. I believe they were supposed to come to a, a stop when before coming back out on the track. Ross did slow down, but it was just to make the corner to get back on track. And he wound up getting out side by side with race leader Tyler Reddick. And a couple problems with that. Number one, I mean, it's, it's an obvious penalty. You If... Ross, if that was legal, what Ross did, everybody would just about be doing it every every restart or every lap. You know, if you're able to just clear by everybody and come out battling for the lead, there's, you know, big gain to that. But my biggest problem with it was what could have happened because NASCAR was very delayed on calling this a penalty. They didn't call it till pretty much one lap, complete lap later when they were back on the back straightaway. And, you, you know, Ross and Tyler were racing pretty hard. And these are two guys that race aggressively, especially Ross. We, he's well-documented throughout this season. And say these two get battling, because at this point they both think they're going for the win. The wrong thing happens. They make contact. Ross spins Tyler, or Tyler makes contact with Ross to slow him down. You know, that costs Tyler a, a race win. And Tyler had pretty much been one of the best cars, especially in the latter part of the race. And all of a sudden, Austin Cendrick's, you know, coming away with his second win of the season instead of it just being a straight battle between Cendrick and Reddick. And NASCAR, it's another deal where they should be thankful that that didn't come to pass because that would have been a big black eye on this race. And, you know, Rawls probably would have got some more blame, some more flack for it, but I wouldn't have put it on him simply because he didn't know. He, didn't, he wasn't getting word from NASCAR that he was illegal to be up there. So NASCAR's got to be a little bit quicker on that call. I mean, you, you got to get word to the driver, hey, you're not a legal participant in this, you know, battle for the lead. You need to get out of line, slow up, let the leaders battle this out. I expect next year because of this, you know, because they have announced they will run the road course again next year at Indianapolis. I expect them to be 
there to be clear rules on if you have to take the access road, what is expected of you to do just so NASCAR can avoid this whole situation again. And post-race, we still had some pretty interesting comments. You know, there's the whole deal with, with Tyler Reddick, Richard Childress. What's the relationship there, especially with what all was said when it was announced Reddick was going to leave after next season to go to 2311 Racing. Richard was asked by Parker Clearman in the post-race show, uh, pretty much what is the relationship? What is going on with, with you and Tyler Reddick? How is this going with him announced that he's going to 2311? To which Richard answered, you know, going back to the deal with Kevin Harvick when Harvick announced that he was going to be leaving, leaving Richard Childress Racing. He said when Harvick announced it, they, they had discussed it. You know, they had sat down, had discussions for hours over what Kevin was going to do. They made a joint announcement that Kevin was leaving, and they then they went out and won four races together and competed for a championship. And, and this is his quote. He said, this one didn't happen this, that way. So obviously Richard is, is taking it you know, pretty personal. I, I don't know what the dealings were behind closed doors between Tyler and Richard, but obviously there are some sore feelings there t as far as how it was announced. And, you know, you did have some stories, articles shared on social media that dispute Richard's version of events. Uh, I mean, what, whatever really happened, I, I'm not sure, but obviously there is some bad blood going on. And I just got to wonder how that's going to affect next season because say Tyler Reddick goes out there and struggles, you know, or say near the end of the season, he's no longer in the playoffs. We, we can see, we have seen in past history, these kind of relationships sour real quick. You know, some verbal shots get thrown back and forth. You remember even with Harvick when he was leaving Richard Childress, making some comments about the, the Dillon brothers, Austin and Ty, you know, right before Ryan Newman left Richard Childress, he, he was letting his, complaints be heard on the radio so this this could you know turn pretty ugly pretty quick I, i'll be very interested to see what, what this situation is looking like come to, you know i would say when the playoffs start next season and looking at the 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 debate of do they need to go back to the oval on indianapolis motor speedway or stick to the road course most drivers especially kevin harvick has been very vocal. He wants it back on the oval. You know, these guys, they want to run the Brickyard. It's a, you know, historic racetrack. You know, lots of legends have won there. And even if they win on the track, on this road course, they, they've said it doesn't feel like you're actually winning the Brickyard 400 like you're winning on the track. So most drivers wanted to go back to the oval. And also, you, you saw the calamity that was the end, pretty much it's all about survival getting through that first corner. So fans, they seem to be kind of split on it. A lot of them do want it to go back to the oval, but some are saying they've had enough ovals. There's enough of those on the track. Let's stick with the road course. Well, if you want a road course, I say pull Indianapolis off the schedule and go to back to road America. If you're wanting to do that, because to me, I'd rather see it on the big track or not at all. So say 2024, they go back to the oval. If you go out there and it's a snooze fest, like it had been probably since 2007 when there was the whole tire debacle where they couldn't go more than 10 laps. If you're still putting on shows like that, then I think it's time to just call it a day on this, this series going to Indianapolis motor speedway. The track's flat. It doesn't have the most banking. It's not made for stock cars for the most part, but 
with this new package, I mean, it could put on a good show. We've seen it improve races at other tracks that haven't been good. And we've seen it not improve races. So it's worth the experiment to, to try it with this new package. Also, the crowd has, you know, been kind of dead, you know, the past few years. There's just not as much excitement when, when they first came in the 1994 season, I believe it was the first race. And I would say probably about the time 2003, 2004, you could see that crowd dying off. So it, it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of years where NASCAR stands with Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Roger Penske, who owns the track, had mentioned possibly one year doing the road course, next year doing the oval, just flipping it back and forth, which, I mean, could be interesting, could bring back some life to the track, but I, I don't know. My, I'm still, my thoughts are still up in the air when it comes to Indianapolis Motor Speedway and what the future of it looks like for this sport. So before we move forward to our Michigan weekend coming up, let us look over our spotlight drivers from Indy Race Weekend. And we got drivers from each series that came away with good solid finishes, may not have gotten the trophy, but still had a race to keep their head held up high. And starting off in the truck series, my spotlight driver is the debuting Lane Riggs. He finished seventh in his truck series debut, and he is the son of former driver Scott Riggs, a multi-time winner in the Xfinity and the truck series. Matter of fact, he made his debut in the truck series at IRP. So, and Scott was one of my favorite drivers growing up watching in the Xfinity series. I'd love turning over and watching him and Scott Wimmer and just seeing them battle it out. They were two, two of my favorite drivers to watch while they didn't have the cup success. They were still great drivers when it came to racing in the Xfinity series, you know, and in Lane's debut, he was stuck in the back at, at one point after a bad pit stop. However, he was able to rebound thanks to a pit call by his crew chief and with all the cautions there at the end, able to take advantage of the fresher tires he had. He kept that truck clean, and I'm sure he impressed a lot of people, opened up some eyes. I'm not sure. I think I saw something where he may be racing this upcoming weekend at Richmond. I could be wrong about that. But either way, I'm sure he will be making plenty more starts in the near future if not. So definitely a bright future for Lane. He's, he's one of the up-and-coming drivers to keep an eye on over the next couple seasons. And then moving forward to our Xfinity Series spotlight is actually going to be a whole team, and that is Mario, Mario Gosselin's team, DGM Racing. They had three cars and, in the race, and one of them was with Ross Chastain, who finished a solid fourth place. And this was the team's second top five ever in the Xfinity Series. And they're pretty much permanent driver who's always run with them is Alex LeBay. He finished a solid 12th. So a good solid day for this small team. And that's what I've liked seeing over the past couple of years is teams like DGM racing or like BJ McLeod. They're able to go to the cup series and get these, you know, cup stars, put them in their car and see what they can do and get them a chance to get on TV, get their sponsors, some, some TV time and just try to improve their, their efforts. So for that, I give the spotlight to DGM Racing. And now going to the Cup Series, there was a lot of drivers I was looking at at who could be the spot on the spotlight on. You know, you had Harrison Burton finish third, his best career finish in the Cup Series. Todd Gilliland, who finished fourth after qualifying in the top 10, running most of the day up there in the top 10, and even led some laps. So this was not a fluke top five for Todd and definitely has to give him a lot of confidence that, that he's moving in the right, right direction with his career. 
but I'm going to give the spotlight to two other drivers. And these are guys who dealt with some harsh conditions and really had to battle to get to the end of the race. Uh, my first driver is AJ Allmendinger, whose cool suit failed and he had to endure some late restarts, even one from the front row and gets a solid seventh place finish. And you could see in his car, especially leading up to that last restart. I mean, he was just, he, he was pretty miserable. He looked, he, he was in some bad shape. He was kind of trying to lean his head over on the side of the seat and just trying to gather up what strength he could to go get the win. Gets out of the car, collapses immediately to the wall. They were able to cool him off, get him to the infield care center, and he was able to be checked and released. He is good to go. So hats off to AJ for coming out, trying to defend that race win. And even though he didn't go to victory lane, he, he battled through it, and he got a good solid seventh place finish for his team. And my next driver is Chris Busher, whose car actually caught on fire at one point. They do the fire extinguisher to get the fire out. Chris does not leave the car. He stays in it because he knows if he gets out, that's it, race over. He deals with all the extinguisher dust, the heat from the fire, and, you know, that stuff, it apparently sealed up part of, the, you know, parts of the car. Airflow is not going to be as good between, you know, what the fire melted and then with the fire extinguisher contents and falls two laps down and is able to come back for a solid 10th place finish. I mean, he, he gets out of the car. It was so cool to see him with his black and purple uh, fire suit on, and he's got extinguisher dust just all over him. So you want to talk about two guys that toughed it out and made the most of it. These two guys did. You know, it made me think back to the days of Ricky Rudd getting out of the car at, at Martinsville and laying on the ground for his victory lane interview. These guys are tough, and they have to go through some extreme conditions sometime. And my hat's off to them for being able to compete that race and, and get top tens out of it, period. But now moving forward to Michigan, uh, you have in the Xfinity Series, A.J. Allmendinger looking to defend his race win after coming off a, a rough weekend at uh, Indy, especially on the cup side mainly. You know, he was dominant in the, in the Xfinity race cup series. He had to deal with the heat. What kind of shape will he be in? Will he be 100% recovered? once we roll around to Michigan and for Ryan Blaney, he is the defending cup race winner and he is hoping to repeat and officially lock himself back into the playoffs. But I got to tell you, Michigan to me is one of these unknown races. Uh, you, I just don't know how this package is going to race with this track. Could it be like an auto club where, you know, drafting plays a key part in it, but they're not packed up like Atlanta or Talladega you know, or will it be like in Atlanta and Talladega? I, I see it could be either one of those. I hope it's more of kind of like a race we saw at Auto Club where guys are able to get good runs, good hard racing. Arrow plays a big part in it. I, I, I expect a pretty good race this year. It's another wide track. So hopefully this package lends itself well to the Michigan race weekend. And that'll wrap up this week's episode of Three Wide. Thank you again for joining me. Be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast from and be sure to leave a review. You can also now find me on Facebook and Twitter at Three Wide Three on both, as well as YouTube now. And be sure to subscribe to that channel because we will be doing weekly uploads. Y'all have a good rest of your week and I hope everyone enjoys Michigan Race Weekend. And we will meet back same time next week and go over all the action from Michigan.